Welcome to another podcast. This is the podcast Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. My name is Bo, and I have with me Zach, as always. Um, I'd like to do a little intro, if I will, and if I can, um, coherently. I'm not a scientist um, uh, at all. I went to one year, I finished high school and did one year of junior college, and then I dropped out to do uh, work in the, in the real world. But I'm not a scientist. I have no degree. But I've always been obsessed with science. Um, I had a huge uh, interest in popular mechanics and popular science, those magazines. And when I was a kid, I had a subscription. They would always come, and I was always very jazzed when they got there. And they had the coolest project that people were working on at the time. Maybe you did too, Zach. I don't know. For sure. But since then, I've been completely obsessed with that stuff. Um, if I if I knew one-tenth the amount of information that I found out this this week... Um, if they told me this in science class, I would be even more jazzed and probably want to go to more college than I did. But no one was passionate enough to teach us this stuff. That's why I feel like this is a good thing. And, and most of the stuff I landed on was factually based. And I verified 90% of this stuff before just telling you guys this. Um, so please do your own research if you want to. But 90% of this stuff is true. Some of it's a little crazy, <laughs> you know, um, but most of it's true. And, uh, I'm proud of that. Um, you know, uh, I, I just want to jump in on something yeah. there because if the, if it, when I was in school, instead of teaching me facts, they explained to me mysteries and things that hadn't been solved. My brain would have been, well, I want to find answers. Instead, they're telling me things that are established. I'm like, this is boring. I don't care. Like, yeah. the, I want to know about the mysteries and exactly. how we can get to the bottom of those. And if I got to become a scientist to do it, then I'll become a scientist. Instead, it was just, here's some trigonometry. You'll never need that. But hey, cursive. Learn cursive writing. <laughs> you read cursive writing. Right. That's what I spent time Exactly. Doing. Me too. I feel the exact same. And if, okay, guys, if you like what you hear, just follow on Spotify or wherever you get this podcast. I don't know. Um, just if you could follow, that'd be great. If not, whatever. Um, but we're yeah. So t- today's episode is da 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 the moon. And don't don't turn it off. Okay, don't turn it off because it's not boring. It's very <laughs> like I'm not joking. Like I'm so passionate about this. Like I'm almost jumping out of my skin. Um, Did you you probably when I said mm-hmm. the moon was going to be the next topic, you probably didn't think it was going to get quite quite so interesting no i didn't at all and the i had to do about three hours of research before the fire inside my mind and heart was ignited and it was so we're here we're now and um again if you like what you hear thank you you know we really appreciate it anyway all right. Anything before we like uh, let's, let's fire get this off? That, I was just wanna... gonna say, if you think this has opened up a Pandora's box of information you never knew about, wait till we start studying about Antarctica. You're, oh you're, no, here you're, we go. You're gonna, you're really gonna lose your your stuff. I'm sure I will. I'm okay. excited. about Anyways, it. Anyways, let's focus though. The moon. The moon. You okay. get to start because I talked like ninety percent of the last episode. That's fine. Okay. I mean, where did your research start? Let's start there. Where? What? What did you? What was your first okay. key into Google when That's you started good. down the rabbit hole? I said. I said. Uh, I didn't know anything about the moon to start. Like, I forgot how they found out about what the moon was. And I started with the boring stuff, you know. How far away is it? Uh, stuff like that. I, I looked up Galileo Galilei. He was oh, in 1610. And the reason it's be, it's called the moon and not, like, Stephen <laughs> is because... <laughs> stick with me. is because in 1610... 
like only 400 years ago, people, Galileo Galilei, he discovered the four largest moons of Jupiter. So that means all those years ago, Galileo discovered that there were other moons. So before that, people didn't know there were other moons. That's a very important fact, I think. So they started with just calling it the moon, like like they thought it was one, there was only one in the universe, which I thought was interesting. Obviously, people don't know things until they know them, you know, they discover them. And then they say, oh, there's this out there. Um, the moon, how, how far, okay, how far away do you think the moon is? You probably know this already. 253,000 miles. You're very close. You're very close. <laughs> that was just off the top of my head. <laughs> it is 238,900 mm. miles away. Very close. Mm, I tried. I, I asked someone else that this week, and they said 3,000 miles. Speaking of distance, do you know, <laughs> did you come across how the, the moon is, is uh, continuing to get further away from the Earth? I missed that. Oh, man. No, that, well, if we're that on one. that. So this is very crucial to the whole moon theory of how the moon works, right? So the moon is slowly uh, uh, increasing distance from the Earth. Mm. Every year, it's, I believe, four inches further away. Really? So, re which is very important because if you rewind the clock back, that tells you a long time ago it was much, much closer because the orbit is getting further and further away. Yeah. Um, also, in this one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into one of the weirdest facts I found. Now, it's not even a weird fact. It. It's not even weird. This is just... Uh, uh, I guess you had to change your perception of reality a little Good. bit. Good. Okay. For one, we call it a moon. The moon is not a moon. It's a planet. Well, it is, yeah. Even in the sense of the traditional thought of like moon's orbit, whatever. Well, the moon is the largest moon to mass size, but that's not what makes it not a moon. The fact is all the other moons that orbit, you know, Jupiter and Saturn and stuff, they orbit their planet, right? The moon does not orbit Earth. And... The Earth and the Moon rotate around what's called a uh, berry center. Berry center. Oh, you found out about the berry yeah, center. Exactly. It's a it's a uh, dual planetary system, just like two suns. They rotate, and that makes it not a moon. Yes, I and found that out too, and I was my mind was blown. Yes. My whole life has been a lie. <laughs> it's true. Mine has too, and no one. Told Why was that not taught day one? What I don't know. Like, I mean, everybody knows what the model of the solar system looks like. We talk about moons and all these different things. But they don't ever go, and by the way, it's not really a moon. We just call it a moon because it was the first one, so we had to name it something. We had to name it something. Guys, look up the Berry Center. We're very passionate about this. You won't even necessarily understand it at first. I had to watch the Berry Center video on YouTube like for 15 minutes before I was like, oh, okay, I get it. This, It's crazy. I, I mean, it's just crazy in the sense of it should be such a, a thing. A basic part of our understanding. It should be, and, and it's not. And what else are they lying to us about? If they can't even tell us about the real orbital system, a lot. And I'm gonna get right into the next one. Um, how many? Okay, you probably know this, also. How many? Moon, me. How many? <laughs> and that's <laughs> six. How many? I just said. Um, how many moon landings have there been of humans? Oh, ooh, Jeopardy knowledge here. Uh, was there six? You're absolutely right, my friend. Six wow. moon landings by humans. In the Did you know that Mars is the only planet Earth. completely inhabited by robots? Oh my god. <laughs> because we I guess you're right, <laughs> but the moon is right now too because there's Chi there's Chinese probes up there right now. Um, let me catch my breath. So six manned acknowledged. Six manned. How many 
How many unmanned... Oh, this is... I don't know if they actually landed a probe on the moon or they just circled the moon. How many of those have there been? Well, I don't know. I know that they said that there's over something like 2 million pounds of trash on the moon from all the orbital... Wow, that's all, a lot. All the... All the I, I, no, don't... It might be 2,000. No, 2 million... I don't know. It was a, there was a two in there somewhere, two, but okay. there's a ton of trash, and it's because there were so many probes sent beforehand okay. and since because you know it was a we could shoot stuff at it way before we could successfully land. But a lot of those were literally like it would just hit it and like just they were trying to figure out the surface density and all this mm -hmm. stuff. You know, back when science was young with moon science and stuff, when they finally had rockets that could even go that far, they're like. You know, let's just, I mean, that's where the term moonshot comes from. Like, let's just see if we can hit it. You know, wow, like, we're, yeah. let's aim for the moon. There have been 21 non-human either missions or landings on the moon. So I thought that was, that's a lot. I mean, yeah, most people just think it was, it was the one we, the, the Buzz Aldrin went up there. But, like, they yeah. don't realize there's been, how, how many people did you? have walked on the moon i don't know that it's it might 12. be it might be 12 12 to 20 i'm gonna say i don't know for sure but there's been six human landings of people right all american not <laughs> maybe not, i don't, I don't know, know if they were i mean i just presume they're all american but they're all american missions as far as we know there have been no manned missions from anyone else oh really i didn't know that interesting uh well so is, I, when you go back to the original space race in 69, the reason was why, I mean, if you look at the time, go back in time, Russians were the first to put Sputnik up, yep. right? Everybody freaked out because that was the first artificial satellite, and they just assumed the sky was falling after that, right? And then everyone goes, okay, we got to get to, before America could even get their crap together to figure out which Nazi scientists they were going to put to work to fix this problem. <laughs> right. They Get Von Braun. Get Von Braun. Get him out of his... Uh, bathroom <laughs> get him out of the bathrobe and tell him to put his shoes back <laughs> anyways uh before they could even get their crap together to figure out you know how they were going to repurpose the v2 rockets to get up there they uh they uh they had uh news that uh the russians were already sending up the first manned space flight to do the first they were the first to orbit the earth in an orbit they were the first to yeah. do just about everything in space so basically the americans were behind the eight ball they go to kennedy with three options they go okay here's what we can because kennedy goes well what are we going to do about this yeah kennedy, they tell kennedy like we can we can uh we can orbit the moon we could be the first to orbit the moon mm -hmm. but the russians can probably do that too and he's like okay we can be the first to uh make a, a a space base like send up like the international space we could make a space base and uh, have that first like living presence in space. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, okay, well, not very sexy, he's but like, we could right. do it. Maybe. He's like, or we could put a man on the moon. And he's like, we and can he's do like, that. Let's he's like, do like, it. well, like, I think so. Wow. But we, one thing we do know for sure is the Russians can't do it. They don't know how, and they haven't even said they're going to try. And wow. like, okay, let's do that because by the time they figure out what we're doing, we'll already be halfway figured out, right? Like they, so they skipped all the other they steps. They just skipped it. They weren't because wow. normally it would be a progress, you know, which yeah. they had to do to get there, but. As far as what their ultimate goal, they started from day one before they could even walk. They were trying to figure out how to run. Of like, wow. how do we land on the moon? That yeah, was the, that there. was the mission from day one, and everything else was just in an effort to facilitate that. Yeah, fascinating stuff. But again, this is where I kept getting sidetracked because I know. We're, this is not technically moon. This is stuff. This is a space race stuff, which is hard to separate from the moon because really we learned a lot more about the moon once we started going into space because everything sure. before that was just. Hypothetical. I mean, with, with just the whole cheese situation and <laughs> <laughs> the whole cheese situation. Oh my God. Okay. 
I'm gonna say, okay, the fact that, okay, I have another fact that is interesting about okay, go ahead. the far side of the moon, not the dark side of the moon, because there is no dark side of the moon. No. Only according to Pink Floyd. Um, what do you think, okay, I'm just gonna say it. The moon is far, if dating has been correct with scientists, and I'll say that again, if dating has been correct with our understanding of how time works and their dating system, then... The moon is far older than expected. Older than the Earth or the sun. The Earth is about 4.6 billion years old, according to scientists. Moon rocks were dated. When we got the moon rocks back to Earth, then we could date them. Guess what they come, came out at? What? Wolf? <laughs> 5.3 billion years old. These are the moon rocks. They're sitting on the moon. This is this is a crazy thing to think about, even this next fact. Rocks and dust, the rocks and the dust they collected were a different composition. So that they thought it was weathering from the rocks that would fall onto the moon and create the moon dust under the rocks. But the moon dust under the rocks had a different composition. So it wasn't the rocks. So they had to have come from somewhere else. Because generally you get rocks wear down and they're just smaller versions yes. of the bigger thing. Right? We, which we, uh, that's our Sand is a ground down rock from the river. Exactly. Right. And that's not the case in this particular case. So how do you explain that? It's very hard to explain and they still can't. Well, some it. of it would be for meteorites, obviously. Sure. But then you'd have just meteorites grinding up and turning into dust, dust. as everything else. Which they would all sort of mix together, it seems like. But anyway... I mean, I just thought that was an interesting fact. If the well, the age I think is is very interesting. Because, I think it is too. I mean, I don't think a lot of people think. Uh, you know, you could look at it as a chicken and egg situation. Which came first, the Earth or the Moon? Right? Did they all come about at the same time from the same event? It, I, side point on that, as far as like, you know, I'm always interested. I think one of the most interesting things about space is just the whole concept of celestial mechanics. How all the the bodies in the heavens move. Yeah. Right? The fact that. We all orbit, all the planets orbit on a on a, a solar plane, right? Like the, the, we're not, you know, one doesn't go around, you know, top to bottom. One goes, like, like if you imagine like, uh, it's a disc. Like, like when they say, like when you see like a, a diagram of an atom where all the neutrons and electrons are zipping around yeah. and all different things. Like we're all on a very we're on a plane. level plane, okay. right? Sort of, yeah. And that's because the sun, we orbit around the axis of the sun. And that's yeah. why we, the sun does this and they all do this. And then you get into some of the the way some of these bodies move, where you know that we all know the Earth is on a twenty three point five tilt. We all know that. Yeah. We we we, <laughs> we orbit <laughs> on the plane, and the Moon goes around the axis of the Earth. So yeah. then you kind of can draw an extrapolation of well, if this body's fall, just like well, there's no mystery as to why we're orbiting on this plane. We're orbiting around the Sun, right? Yeah. And then there's no mysteries why the Moon's orbiting where it is. It's orbiting around the belt because of the we're heavier, right? Uh, but then you get into like Uranus, it rotates where its north pole faces the sun. Wow. And it rotates in the opposite direction of every single other planet. Wow. How do you do that? How do you do that? How is that they, possible? They suspect that that has to do with maybe a very large body came through the solar system at some point. The gravitational pull was so strong that as it went by, he it captured it, it. it. And it just, you know, the body, it wasn't big enough to cap be captured where they became orbiting around each other. It was just big enough that it just did this and then kept going. Gyroscopic sort of a style. With, exactly. Oh, wow. So, and there's all sorts of anomalies like that as far as like, you can tell a lot from the orbital rotation, you know, like that's how they ever found out back in the day uh, 
where these planets even were, but way before anybody could ever see any of the planets because, you know, telescopes just weren't that advanced. I mean, back in what, I mean, if you look at when the planets were discovered, we're talking like most of them was like 1500s, 1800s, yeah. and they did it through math where they knew they could see at a certain point of the year these planets would wobble. And for the longest time, they couldn't figure out why. And they realized it was when it was passing another heavenly body that gravity would would distort its orbit. Oh, and so they okay. knew that there must be some other bigger mass out there pulling on it. And so they look when that time of year came around where this thing started to wobble, they knew it would have to be out in this general area. And they'd look with the telescope because a planet is not really, it doesn't produce its own light, right? It's just reflective. It's not like a star that you can see from a million miles away. You right. can only see it very dimly and you have to be pretty much looking right at it to see it aside from like Mars and Mercury because they're so much closer and that, but like the farther out planets, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, they're not as bright. So you gotta know where you're looking. And then as soon as they did that, they'd be like, okay, we found this new planet. And then they'd be like, oh, well it does the same thing. There must be another one and another one. They kept looking further and further out until, you know, that's why Pluto was discovered so late. It like literally took science that long (laughs) to figure it out. Oh wow. But then, you know, that's why there's a big thing now. They're talking about how they think there's a, there is another planet further out there because they they think so yeah they think that, that there's a tenth planet well ten if you count Pluto otherwise Pluto doesn't count anymore it's technically a dwarf whatever you know what it is always gonna be a planet to me so yeah. Pluto take that well Pluto is the only other uh, binary planetary system where it has calis or cal- it's not calypso uh, cal- it's the c word I forgot and um, I don't even know what you're talking about oh so. well with, with the binary planet the bi the berry Center. Oh, Barry Center. They, oh, he's, okay. they, when they're talking about that, they're saying that Pluto and its moon are very similar in size, oh, and so okay. they both they're... rotate around a central point. Oh, they don't. Okay. They don't. The, Pluto doesn't rotate on its axis, just like the moon or the the, the moon, our planet yeah. is slightly off. Yeah. Because of the moon. Let's get back to the moon. The moon. Okay. There's an abundance of refractory elements in the surface areas like titanium. Oh, you could just say that fact and just sort of move on with your life, but. When you look at a mirror, what is a mirror primarily composed of? Shiny metal. The moon just happens to be very shiny and able to reflect the sun's light so that at night we get to see a light in the sky. I just thought that's very interesting that it's so beautiful at night. So you, know? you touched on another anomalous point about the moon. Uh, so at the surface, there's large numbers of titanium. And we'll other, get into this. Oh, yeah, let's did you no, get into it? Some of it, yeah. Uh, large large number of heavy elements, which typically are only found deep within a planet's core right. or much further below surface. Typically, you got to be mined for That's why we mine for gold. That's why we mine for silver and lead. These things don't sit on the surface because they're heavier and they sink down. And yeah. that's why the Earth has a magnetic field because, you know, iron and, you know, the heavier elements are supposed to be liquid in the middle causing a magnetic field. So, they were very surprised when they first went to the moon to find out that the heavier elements are on the surface. On the outside. So yeah. how they, cause they have no, there's no mechanisms in planetary science to understand why you would have a lighter core and a heavier outside. Doesn't yeah, it? I know. It's an anomaly. The because, moon is an anomaly. That's what I'm, yeah, we're so, getting to that. And that's why they say that the mass isn't right on the moon, right? Because if you're, according to, if, if you're heavy, if, if the lightest element on your planet is titanium and there's somehow some other super dense material underneath it, you could you could work your way backwards because you know the scale of things, right? We know how big the, the planet or we know how big the moon is. We know we can extrapolate how much surface area it has. So if it's that much surface area, 
that the heaviest element can be found on the surface. And that means as you go more, it should be denser. That much density should equal this much weight. Mm -hmm. But that's not what they see. And they know because... That's not what they see. It's the and opposite. it's a mystery. It's still a mystery. It's a moon mystery. It's a moon mystery. And we're talking about modern scientists here. And they think they know everything. And they don't. And I don't know everything. Still, but all I'm saying is we don't know everything. Th and that's what this podcast is all about. Absolutely. It's just acknowledging the mysteries. Acknowledging not the answer, mysteries. Not solving the mysteries. <laughs> exactly. We would say unsolved mysteries, but that's trademarked. That's we don't taken. <laughs> there is water vapor on the moon. In March, on March 7, 1971, lunar instruments placed by the astronauts recorded a vapor cloud of water passing across the surface of the moon. And you or think, for a layman, a cloud. Or, yeah, or a Just cloud. a cloud, essentially. They, they try and make it sound real science-y, so it's right. more like... Like, oh, don't worry about it. Because if they just said there's a cloud on the moon, people would be like, well, that's not supposed to be there. But if you yeah. say that there's a, 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 a spontaneous vapor formation, like, <laughs> so a cloud, then. And I'm sure no one could see it like a normal cloud on Earth. I'm sure it was basically invisible. However, it was a cloud of water vapor passing across the surface of the moon. And you think, oh, it might be just a small thing, maybe some anomalous event from the actual measuring instrument. The cloud lasted for 14 hours and and covered an area of about 100 square miles. That's a big cloud. It's a very big cloud and it's on the moon. I never knew that there were clouds on the moon, okay? And there are and they're there. I'm just like, no one, I never found that out. How about know? this? Our moon is the only known satellite of a planet that's at the perfect distance to create a solar eclipse. No I, got, other, I found that out no too. No other planet experiences a solar eclipse. Um, well, I guess I should say one that perfectly matches so that you see the corona of the sun. Exactly. And there, th because... <laughs> I thought it was funny, like, when I was just kind of... I, I started real, very broad strokes with it. Like, interesting facts about the moon. Strange Me too. facts about... Stuff like that. And, like, one of the ones that kept coming up is... The moon and the sun are not the same size. They only appear so. I'm like, man, that's Why like put, that's like putting on the owner's manual of a car. Don't don't drink the fluid in your battery. Like, if you have to be told yeah. that, I feel like maybe maybe children are reading. No, you're right, and, and did not be so harsh. <laughs> um, we might we might touch on that again. Um, magnetic rocks, moon rocks. The moon rocks they brought back were magnetized. That's mm -hmm. odd, because there is no magnetic field on the moon itself. Initial analysis of these suggests the moon should have been as strong as Earth's. That's weird. So it's these magnetized rocks. You could say they're asteroids or they're meteors, yeah, and, and they might be. But they, they're trying to theorize that somehow these these rocks were magnetized they can't explain it in scientific terms um just an interesting fact i found out they 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 theorize maybe some parts of the moon were magnetized because of a close call with earth in the past there was that theory but that doesn't make any sense because if the moon had had some sort of a close call with earth it would have been ripped apart by the Earth's gravity, apparently. You know, I didn't make this up. Um, well, yeah, one of the things I read was that, like, because one of the theories of the moon is, like, something about the size of Mars came in contact with the Earth, the but oh. a, a glancing blow, right? So 
that's where you get the answer to how does how does the earth and the moon share some material right yeah or chemical analysis wise of like some similar things. components right um and that's from the you know part of this part of the big chunk of the earth billions of years ago that hit and got ripped off and then it it then somehow half of it floated off into space and yeah. the remaining debris from this impact coalesced to form the moon. Right. right. Part of the problem with that is as they look at the modeling for it, they said most, if that were true, most of it would have fell back to earth. Exactly. Not got just this perfect distance away to have a perfect stable orbit. A stable orbit. If you well, look at the orbit, it's, it's pretty good. It's very stable. Aside from what we covered, it's moving very, very, very slowly four inches a year further away. That's actually That's scary. It, that scares me. Then like, 500 million years, it will be too far away to see. Oh, wow. That's sad. Um, it'll still be orbiting, though. It'll still be up <laughs> there thinking about it. Okay, volcanoes. I know we're moving very fast through this, and we're trying, still trying to get the pacing on this thing right. Um, I'm just so excited. I just can't, like, stop myself, unfortunately. Just, I mean, I, I think we'll spend as much time on any point as until we run out of crap to talk about. That's true. I guess you're right. Um... This is, this is just a theory, this one. Volcanoes. Some of the moon's craters originated internally. Okay. Some of the moon's craters originated internally. But there's no indication the moon was ever hot enough to well, produce volcanic eruptions. That's, that's the whole problem with the, if the moon ever... I mean, if you followed the same planetary mechanics as what produced the Earth... It, with how our earth works we know that there's lava we know there's a liquid core we yeah. know we have a, a a magnetic field due to you know the way the inner core of the planet works right like yeah. we we have a very good model to follow that we can study because we're sitting on it right we assume that that's the similar case for a lot of other planets and in some cases more or less depending on the you know makeup of the atmosphere and stuff like that i mean obviously mm. there's only one earth with its ocean stuff like that venus has methane instead of oxygen all that stuff right but yeah. as far as the core of it, if there was a liquid core, the heavier elements sink to the center. Yeah. Right? That's just how gravity works. It's going to pull those heavier elements in, the lighter elements go to the top, and then you don't end up with titanium sitting on the on surface. The, on the outside. So you couldn't have had volcanoes producing lava flows and have the anomaly of the titanium on the surface. Exactly. Because the math don't add up. You math can't have don't it both add up again. Exactly. In, in an ancient setting where the moon is completely liquefied because it's so hot, which there's no evidence for, then there's volcanic eruptions, which makes sense. But there's no evidence it was uh, like a magma ball, basically. I mean, that's... Again, it's, it's just another question. And that's fine. So we all know the moon is tidally locked to to the Earth, right? That's it, why it does what it, how it ro rotates, and we know that the the tidal effect on the moon is it has a distortion towards it. It's it's more pear or not pear shaped, but like egg shaped slightly. It's not a perfect sphere because of the gravity between the two bodies, and on the Earth because we have so much liquid on the surface, it's not distorted as much by the mass of the moon oh, because the, the surface water moves, right? So wow. there's a I think they said something like a 20 kilometer or yeah, 20 kilometer tall pile of water that follows the moon around, right? Wow. That's why you get high and low tides. So That's just think amazing. of how much water it takes to move high. And what that is, is just a big, just imagine a big lump of water moon. directly underneath where the moon is yeah. always moving around. So that's what causes that. So if all of a sudden the moon 
just Thanos disappeared, right? Yeah. All of a sudden that water would stop being held tidally and it would just dissipate, right? It would cause sea level to rise something like oh, hundreds of feet all yeah. around the world. I just that's... thought that's an interest because we don't really think of, you know, we just think high tide, low tide, water's just going up and down. No, the water's being pulled in a big pile yeah. By around the planet. Crazy. Always. And it's not just like, it's, it's a bathtub where you have it going up and down. Yeah. Um, and I, if you think about that in your mind, it's one thing to be on paper like, oh, and see the oval of the water as it's being pulled from one side to the other of the earth. It's amazing to look at on paper even. And as the moon moves, the column of water moves. But if you think about it that in real, real life terms, that is absolutely amazing that it's happening. It's amazing. And it's, I would almost say it's a miracle, but you know, I'm going to move on from that point. Um, well, they, they, it has a big effect on like the, the, just the tides moving around, just like the, the way that that constant sloshing motion affects the ocean and the currents and the yeah. animals in it. Like it's, again, it's one of those things that, Oh, it's really convenient that that happens to sustain life because right. if it didn't, that would be really bad. <laughs> yeah, and there's this talk about how people are can feel like the moon affecting them. I don't know about lunacy. Might, it might be yeah, it might be completely made up and like a legend from olden times that people thought was cool and they just adopted it into their like fairy magic these days. Maybe it does have an effect on people. I don't know. Well, if you I think don't really of it care. as the fact that. You know what the what what's the saying? What the mind sees the what the mind what the mind sees the eyes believe or something like that. Like okay. you you know sometimes if you your belief overpowers your senses. So if you believe oh, okay. that the moon is going to drive you crazy, you just act. You crazy. just might go crazy. Yeah, I think. That's... And if enough people tell you the moon's going to drive you crazy, <laughs> you might turn into a werewolf. I'm getting more hairy on a full moon, which the moon's always full. It's just on the other side of the planet sometimes. Anyway, whatever. Um... Another point, I thought this, I didn't know about this at all. Okay, there's these things called maskin. They're large, dense, circular masses, and I looked at an infrared picture of several of these things. I didn't know these things existed. The old Marshall Space Anomalies. <laughs> They're crazy. They're lying 20 to 40 miles beneath the centers of the moon's maria, which are the, in theory, these are the molten seas that we see on this side of the moon. Those are the Maria. The dark spots. The dark spots. Huge circular discs, the Maskins, are not likely to be beneath each Maria. It's like, again, another question. Why are there huge circular discs or spheres? I'm not sure which one they are, but I think they're discs. Under the moon's surface. <laughs> uh... Yeah, the, the 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 I got into that too. I I mostly was just looking. They said that the largest ones under the south the south end of the planet, and it's oh really? Yeah, they said it's large enough to distort the gravitational field of it. That's how they found wow. it there because it doesn't look. You can't see these from the Earth. They no, only did it once they were able to develop equipment that could detect spatial anomalies, meaning mm. that uh, like if you were flying over the Earth, you would get more gravity because there's more mass in certain spots, you know, like where the Himalayan mountains are. That's a lot more mass. But we're talking fractional, right? Like we're not talking that's like true. all of a sudden, uh, you know, your, your Goku training at a higher level of uh, gravity here. <laughs> I wish. Uh, but on the moon, it is. Like that's enough to make a serious dent in the gravitational field, so much so that they, when they have things orbit it, they have to have the orbital path 
trajectory so it goes away from that so it doesn't pull it down out of the not it's not like i shouldn't say like pulling it pulls it down very mildly but after like 100 laps if every time it hit that gravitational anomaly it would, would slowly drop, be pulled yeah. more and more and more until yeah wow yeah and the moon's density no by the way there's none of those on earth just oh there's forever. not there's none of those on earth you know that's funny it's another alien fact about the moon yeah it's that, not just a little planet out because there. if it was just from asteroid strikes you know earth's been hit by asteroids plenty of times but we don't have giant unexplained massive anomalies under the surface that look like giant discs of yes. metal that, that can't be explained we don't and i've never seen a picture of any of these if they do exist on earth and you're saying they don't and i'm like that makes sense because i've never heard of these before they're only on the moon as far as we can tell Right now, I'm sure they'll be on other planets. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm gonna go right into the next point. I'm fired up. Um, Hold on, I was gonna just Google. Go one. for it. I wanted to just uh, give you the numbers on that. That grab the one, the one main one. That uh, so the region known as the South Pole Aiken Basin is one of the largest known impact craters measuring about 1,600 miles across in diameter. While large impacts have occurred, including some on Earth, the moon's unchanging environment is much blah, blah, blah. No, that's not what I was looking for. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I was hoping it would say what how big this thing is because it shows the... Give me one second. And I can edit all this. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. It's real big. It's real, real big. Well, that's the one on the southern pole. For whoa, it's it's massive, right? It's not just like a couple little spots. It's literally it's huge. huge. It's a quarter of the face of the thing. And does anyway. it have a purpose? Probably. Um, we're gonna get into some seismic activity and uh, some anomalies. Maybe you've heard of these. Maybe you haven't, gang. But. Um, there's hundreds of moonquakes that occur every year. Did you know that? Which can't, cannot be attributed to meteor strikes. On November, in November, excuse me, 1958, Soviet astronomer Nikolai, of course it's Nikolai. Why wouldn't it be? And why wouldn't it be? I'm going to get his last name right because this is important to me. Akazarev of the Crimean Astrophysical Observatory photographed a gaseous eruption of the moon near crater Alphonsus. He also detected a red glow it lasted for about an hour. I read about that too. That's you a good one. That. You, you got that. I knew you would pick up some of these things. Well, they have videos of, of that to this day. Like they still see them. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like a one thing a guy saw in a telescope. It's they, they see it. They see these anomalous <laughs> yeah. flashes of light and that they can't, I mean, that's what makes it anomalous. I guess they can't explain it. It's anomalous. And again, in 1963, astronomers at the Lowell Observatory also saw reddish glows on the crests of ridges in the Aristarchus region. Okay, so this has been repeated. And then it goes on to say in the information I was looking at, the observations have proved to be precisely identical and periodical, repeating themselves as the moon moves closer to the Earth. Does this make you uncomfortable, audience? Maybe it does. But this is what's happening. Okay. I've never seen them. This is this this is like I, I hope like if we ever get to be like a hundred episodes into this thing <laughs> and we talk about all these things. Like my goal 
is to highlight the fact that these things are not rare. They're not. They are just not talked about. And that's why exactly. we're talking about them because yes. it, it needs to be... Can we normalize weird stuff? I mean, let's just, it's, it's only weird because people don't want to let it into their, their world and act like, no, my world's very normal. I don't have... Uh, weird anomalies on my moon. That's you're you're in a different reality than I am. Right, and there's anomalous things that happen in our own mind and heart, and we don't necessarily understand them all the time. I think that's that's fine. Like trying to normalize everything, I think, is dangerous because then you force things down that maybe shouldn't be put away, and so you need to be. I don't know. Just be chill about things, okay? Anyway, yeah, I'm just like okay. There's flashes. Reddish glows of, of um, potentially eruptions on the moon, and the moon doesn't have eruptions. I mean, they can't explain it. That's where they just give these really lame explanations, just so the squares will be like, okay, yes. well, there's the explanation. And they don't care. Like, they want, they want, it's almost like you want to be lied to just so that you can move on, right? Yeah. Like, if they just say, we don't know, then it's a mystery. And that would be, that would be like a sliver in your brain. You just can't get out, right? Right. And instead, it's like, just give me anything. anything. <laughs> Swamp gas? Sure. I'll take it. I'll take it, because then I don't have to ask questions anymore. Just let me move on. There's other facts I want to get into, but if you want to say anything or jump in and, like, at all about, okay, that's, that's fine. I'll go for it. Just about everything else I have goes deep into conspiracy. Okay. We're talking, like, weird, weird stuff. You know what? I think this might have to be a two-parter. Oh, you want to get into, I mean... Space-based conspiracies? I mean, how much time do you have? We could have a whole other... Because we're already... It's good. It's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Well, how much... You got a bunch more stuff. Yeah. We can can just keep going through yours. And if I have anything that lines up, I'll just jump in. Okay. What's the next thing you got? The hollow moon. Here we go. The moon is less dense than the Earth. Did I know that? No. Not only is it smaller than the Earth, obviously... But it's only about 60% as dense as the Earth. Why is that? In 1962, NASA scientist Dr. Gordon MacDonald said, If the astronomical data are reduced, it is found that the data require that the interior of the moon is more like a hollow than a homogeneous sphere. We think of the moon as the earth sometimes because it's close to us. We think of it as like the earth with nothing on it. Exactly. Oh, it's just, it's a bunch of iron and silica. It's floating out in space and it's round and it it does its thing, but it's like the earth. It's not. Theorizing that this thing is hollow, like a hollow styrofoam ball floating around us in space. I think it's like, it's mind blowing. Well, because it just highlights the fact that how little we know. How little we know. It doesn't make any sense. But again, just like the pyramids, it's right there. It's staring in our face. Just like a lot of these mysteries. You know, everything's not Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot, where you go, you have to just believe, right? Like these things are just as much touch and feel, but equally as mysterious because you still can't explain how they got there, why they're why they are the way. Because so, did you get into the part of the way that they? with the data that he's talking about, how they determined, you know, aside from just the gravity and stuff, that they were so puzzled by it that when they went and physically could go to the moon with the rockets, they're like, we need to do some more experiments. So one of the experiments they did to try and understand the inner structure of the moon was, just like here on Earth, we have earthquakes, right? But up there, they couldn't, they, they couldn't you know, like schedule an earthquake to, to take measurements because you have to measure the vibration of, that this is where we come up with the Earth has a liquid core because vibrations move faster through 
through a uh, liquid medium than a solid medium, okay. right? So on Earth, you could have uh, a seismic station in North America in an earthquake over in uh, China, right? Timer starts. They know exactly when the earthquake happened, and so they can start tracking how long it takes for the vibrations to get there. And now if you have seismic stations all over the planet and you can tell that it goes faster as it goes through some parts and slower through others, mm -hmm. it's very easy uh, with the number of seismic stations I have to see the modeling of, it's like a vibration going back. Just like if you imagine a, making a splash in a bathtub and the wave bounces off one side, comes up there, it's like that, right? Because it's all vibrations. Or if you listen to anything under the water, it, like someone, when I was a kid, someone would be like, well, let's yell under the water and some other kid would be on the other side of the pool. You could hear them yeah. in a different way like then you hear them on, on in yeah, the air. the vibrational frequency is different. It's a good example, exactly like that. So, on when they every time they went to the moon and landed on those different missions, they set up a seismograph or mm -hmm. a, a seismic station. Mm -hmm. So they had multiple points of data. And to simulate the earthquakes, what they would do is after the, you know, you got your lunar lander that goes to the surface with the astronauts and then they drop off all their stuff and then they have the orbiter that continues up in space. So when they go back, they shoot back up they get off the, the the lunar lander module, back onto the, the orbiter, and then they go back to Earth on the orbiter. So now you got this leftover thing in space that's still orbiting the moon. So they just would turn it back around and fire the rockets full speed back at the moon to simulate an earthquake to get basically to create a vibration. What they found was there was way more vibrating than what they had anticipated because yes. they go on earth based yes. on how we know blah 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 it should do this but instead it did the opposite it rang they say it rang like a bell but they don't mean that like audibly like there wasn't a sound they mean it vibrated for a very long time yes. like you would expect a bell to just resonate and i found that out exactly and that's why they said the data demands that the inside is less significant we're not talking less dense like empty we're talking like more like you know like a, a shell of a egg kind of thing you got a very soft inside yeah like almost like a spider's web inside i'm right. imagining of like whatever it is a titanium or silica like it's not solid right it's these cavernous expanses. If you can put your mind out there in space and imagine what's inside the moon, these cavernous expanses of like branches of stalagmites. And like, it makes me like, you know, believe in the wonder. Um, I know <laughs> I picked up that same fact too. And I was, I was, I was going to get to that and I was going to blow your mind, but you, you know, that's fine. No, it's, it's good. That's one of the first, like way back when I first started getting interested in, in, in weird stuff. That was one of the first things that it was like, cause there was so much science behind it. There was no, there's so much, there's no woo. The only woo is people. The weirdest part of all that is people hear that and they go, nope. Yeah. I and you're like, but that's the science of it. But I don't like it. And it's weird. Yeah. It's weird, but make it normal. Yeah. Don't make it all weird. I even wanted my own brain to be like, you should push yourself to, be more normal about the moon but then I'm like no don't it's it's fine that it, it's there it's been there for millions of years theoretically and it's still there you know i'm still here and i get to see this beautiful thing at night like, i mean the thing with the with the with the moon being at the perfect size and distance to create the coronal effect during a thing like, that's my deal that is just so amazing that the, like when you when you find out that that's i mean like as a you know as a lot of people take a lot of things for granted and that's definitely one of the things like who's thinking about how special that is but it's like you could be on any other planet that we know of and you would never get that it would you would there would never be i mean if there were civilizations on other planets they might even know what the idea of an eclipse is because 
the moons are different and it doesn't even yeah. line up. It's just like, like a dark spot in the sky every once in a while. <clears throat> and that makes me think, so what's the point of an eclipse? Does it do something physically to the earth? Like, does it obviously affect people in the fact like, oh my God, there's an eclipse. That's so amazing. I love that. And it, I mean, if I could get metaphysical for a minute, do it. I would right say it's, it's almost like a signature to say that this is, Wow. I'm going to go there. You think it's, it's almost signature? like a signature saying, I love it. Does it seem too good to be true? It's because it is. <laughs> it's like, amazing. it's just like, I it, think so. If you were some omnipotent force that yeah. could manipulate things on a planetary scale, what kind of, wouldn't that be a heck of a signature to put on it of like, yeah, it, you know, like we were talking about how amazing it was that the Mayans could do this math to get these perfect equations. That is like looking at physics and motion, literally, of this thing's at the perfect distance, even though it makes no sense. I've altered the dimensions of the build <coughs> of, the of this universe, thing yeah. just so it will be, because if it was, because if the moon was the mass it was supposed to be, it wouldn't sit in the same orbital distance and you wouldn't get that. It would be a that. bigger mass and so it would sit in a different spot in the sky. It would sit in a different spot in the sky. You have the, the weight, the density, the distance of the moon to the sun, the distance of, of, of the barycenters. All of these things line up to give you a solar or lunar eclipse. I'm not sure which one it is. Don't hold me to that. Don't put me in court because I don't know which <laughs> one it is. Anyway, but all those things line up. They line up. Like, they shouldn't line up. When you don't plan something, you get nothing, chaos. nothing happens. You get chaos. Or you get chaos. You don't get perfect celestial mechanics. Oh, my gosh. Like, so... Did, and when you came across any of this, did you get into any of the stuff? Because just like when you're looking at moons, sometimes you get information about different moons, like for yeah. the other planets. Did you come across any of the, the stuff for Phobos? No, I did not. Okay. Well, okay. we'll save that for later. <laughs> I don't, we're, already, we're already desperately trying to stay on track here. <laughs> We're doing a That's pretty good job. That's the moon of Mars, right? That's the moon okay. of Mars. Yes. Oh, Buzz Aldrin. I wanted to get to that, but I couldn't. Like, I had so much. Well, did you see that? Okay. Well, this is on topic. Did you see the pictures from the Chinese rover? The mysterious I did, I anomaly did. that was just discovered since the last time we recorded. I did see that. The strange cube found on the moon. Okay. They have. They have to get to it though. Right. Right now, it's still pixelated. Well, how many when you when they scan the horizons and all these other moon missions? How many other cubes have they found? How many other things in the horizon just look like Bro, cubes? it's a cube because it's pixelated because it's so far away. It's not a cube right now. It's like, in reality, it's probably not a cube. Are you saying these pictures were not taken in reality? <laughs> no, I have not Do they have a 4D camera and they're no. taking pictures from another realm? <laughs> Maybe they are. I don't know, but I'm just saying it's an exciting time to be alive. It is very exciting. You know what was... I was so psyched when they said that finally other people were going to go to the moon. Like, like, like what it, do you mean? Like China. Like oh, China, nations, India... Yeah. Every uh, other nations are going to the moon, and it's like we're going to get competing moon information because oh, now. Yeah. And then they also said that they found they did new spectral analysis of the samples they brought back from the what was it the Dongfang uh, twelve mission or five, okay. whatever it is, uh, that brings into question the dating of the moon samples from the original. Let's question the dating. I'm all about that. That's what I'm saying. It's like it. It just is. We have two points of data now because. Uh, exactly. I mean, everything going through the U.S. space program filters. It's, it's filtered in, uh, based on 1960s uh, methodology and ideology, I would say. So, well, we let's do... talk a minute too about the 1960s, if we can. Let's can you... bring the 60s. Okay, on. we're gonna we're gonna go down a little bit into the, we're gonna finish off with a little bit of conspiracy talk here. Okay? We're not finished, man. <laughs> well, we're we're 47 minutes. Uh, 
let's let's just talk a little bit about the fact that uh, the technology used to get to the moon was obviously 1960s technology. Yeah, definitely. And everything else we have in the entire world is cheaper and better, you know, technologically speaking, you know, an iPhone, a computer from now compared to a computer from the 60s, right? Yeah. The, the access to information, everything, our planes, our cars, our computers, everything in our modern world, uh, much better than what it was in the 60s. Yeah, I agree. But somehow, it's still nearly impossible to, to get to the moon. Like, that was such a Herculean effort. The Saturn V rocket that launched them to the moon was the, the most powerful machine ever built in human history. Mm-hmm. It produced more you know, rocket thrust, you know, power per unit of measurement. Most powerful thing ever built by human hands. Right. And then, uh, you know, they launched a few times and then uh, they go, well, Vietnam, all the money is going to another thing. We, you know, we're done. The amount of, like, people, you know, because that's one of the things I kept coming across. Everyone was like, you know, what do we need a space program for? All it is is a, a you know, a, a showy display of a country's wealth to be like, we have so much money, we're going to go yeah. into space and stuff like that. But, Obviously, we get a lot from the space program. I mean, other than the fact that humans inevitably have an inert desire to explore, and that's the ultimate indulgence of that primal urge to see what's over the next horizon. Yeah. We get flat screen TVs, GPS, uh, you know, p- composite materials, like every form of plastic and stuff like that was, they were trying to push the limits of material technology to build these things that had to withstand the vigors of space. We got Velcro, we got, you know, Gore-Tex, all these things. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, 90% of people now, just because we're so far removed from, you know, we're almost, what, 60 some years from when when they were really in the thrust of it, of a lot of our modern life. 50 50 years. Yeah, a lot of our modern technology is based on things that were secondhand, you know, after they were done with it at NASA, they had already let the genie out of the bottle. Now it's being used in the, you know, it goes from NASA to the military, military to civilian contractors to they start mass producing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this trickle down effect of the technology. So the world would look like a very different place without the space program. But at the same time, do you think that that push for technology that, you know, the people who are facilitating all this science, the people that are okaying the budget for all the science, they they understand the, the value of the science. Like they understand yeah. we don't get to the next level without somebody at the tip of the spear breaking through, right? Like you don't just sit back and let technology happen. You create technology. So do you think at that point when they, 1969, we've made it to the moon. We've had a couple times. I go, that's enough. Oh. When all the other technology we see continues to advance. Okay. Do you think all of a sudden the space technology just was like, that's enough. You think we've been in space since the 70s. I, I, just like, like I said in the last podcast, we're all of a sudden back in the 1940s when there was these scientists that goes, we've discovered how to split the atom. And everyone goes, well, what are we going to do? Well, we can do this and that and this. And then all of a sudden goes, hey, where was that guy talking about the atom? We don't, we don't talk about that no more. Oh, why we not? No, it's not important. It, yeah. No, no, don't worry about it. Well, it's because all of the scientists have been brought to, you know, the laboratories to work on these cutting edge technology. That's why they're and not then talking also, about And it. then it was just, it goes into what they, the black world where things disappear, Right. To the public, they're still happening, but they, I think it was very much the same way with the space program that they go, okay, we've done enough publicly to 
explain satisfy it. these people to satisfy the curious. We did enough publicly so that if anyone goes, well, why do you guys gotta? Why you guys got all this stuff at NASA if you don't got nothing up in space? That seems like a, they got just enough of a public face to make an excuse for what's happening because you can't hide a rock. I mean, again, I don't know how deep into woo woo you want to get, but you're gonna have a real hard time launching a rocket from anywhere where somebody's not gonna notice, right? But now you can launch rockets and go, oh, we're just putting up a weather satellite. Oh, a lot of weather satellites you're putting up recently. <laughs> you know, it's like you can make excuses for it when okay what well, okay so let me let me just go down a little bit further on that on that thread so i'm going to describe to you <laughs> i'm going to describe to you a little little piece of information um i knew it i knew we were going to do two we're almost there we're almost there well that's fine we got plenty of material uh okay code name project hexagon you ever heard of this? <laughs> no, I haven't. All right. Time for the random military projects that Zach's going to quiz you on. All right. Project Hexagon, commonly known as Big Bird or Keyhole 9, was a series of photographic reconna reconnaissance satellites launched by the United States. Uh, of the 20 launch attempts from the National Reconnaissance Office, which we should do a whole episode on just the National Reconnaissance Office. Fully Because it's that. a very interesting yeah. office to be a part of. All but... One were successful. Photographic films aboard the satellite were sent back to Earth in recoverable film canisters for processing and interpretation. So meaning this thing launched a satellite up. Mm -hmm. It had these massive cameras. Because yeah. remember, this is the analog age, not digital. So mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking film canister rolls, oh, the whole thing. Wow. Taking pictures from miles up in space. About, yeah, everything. Focusing it. Now, keep in mind, like... All the stuff involved in having to focus and point and aim at something from space to the Earth. And they're getting it within uh, a two-foot frame. Like, they can zoom in to about two feet. Mm. That's pretty good. This is pretty good. Um, anyways, and then they basically they, they go through about 16,000 feet of film. It, the satellite would then drop it and then... They would pick it up mid-air as it parachuted down. Wow, because it's so valuable. Because it's so valuable. It's like gold. And it had a plug in the base of this capsule that was made of salt. So if it hit the water, it would dissolve, and they would have like twelve hours to pick it up. And if they didn't, oh, if they couldn't destroyed. get to it, it would sink to the bottom of the ocean. Wow. Right? Oh wow. So they had fail safes on top of fail safes to keep this. Now, what year do you think this technology okay, wait. Okay, was so put? What year? In, what year was this technology being used? It was Big Bird okay? Dude, I'm gonna go early. I'm gonna go way early. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do by the end of the year in '69. Very close, Bo. Yes, <laughs> I was right. So yeah, '60, late '60s. Sorry to blow your ears out. If you're yeah, concerned. they're gonna have to adjust. Right. <clears throat> but keep in mind, just like everything else, work your way backwards. They had this I technology. This. I knew it was happening. This is the third iteration of this program. I started in the middle of the program. That was what? that wasn't the first program. Oh no! The first program was called Operation Corona. Oh no! And it was it had slightly less resolution, slightly less film it could hold, but it was essentially the same operation: satellite, giant um. cameras <laughs> that could be remotely focused and operated, that orbited and would periodically drop film canisters down, and they'd go and pick them up and develop them because they didn't have digital technology; they couldn't just beam the stuff back and forth, yeah. right? So they're doing this in the early, late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. So imagine the technological advancement from 
We got the Wright brothers flying airplanes, World War One, World War Two mm -hmm. satellites with the capability to do what I just read. Within 50 years. Within 50 years. Not to mention that we went from flying airplanes to dropping atomic bombs in about the same period of time. Very scary. Uh, just to highlight the fact of, you know, the uh, the how fast technology advances. Well, and how like depressing it is, kind of sometimes. But anyway, I don't want to. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's Project Hexagon. Project Corona was in 1950s, and that was the predecessor to it. And again, that just shows how fast technology advances. Very, and, yeah, shockingly. And, and the fact that they were getting these payloads into space that early. Okay, so like, yeah, they predated the, the, yeah. uh, the Saturn rocket. And how nobody knew about this. This information was not declassified until 1992 by there Bill Clinton. You, there you go. So thanks, thanks, Bill. imagine the technology that they're using right now that won't be declassified for another 50, for years. Another 50 years, right? Like it's the what you know versus what you don't know. But you can, again, if you're never a student of history, you're bound to repeat it, right? Hang so, on. Because it's going to... Is it going to cut us off? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Let's for five seconds. Let's chill for five seconds. Are we going to do a part two immediately? Okay. Yeah. It's right. too good. We're, da, we're on fire. Well, let me... Let me just end with a quote while this is writing yeah, down. Okay. Occultists can put out their lamps. Alchemists destroy their crucibles. Secret brotherhoods take off their cowls. It will no longer be possible to offer man this nonsense that has become pervade to him so brilliantly for thousands of years. Once the universe opens its doors, we shall attain a better future. That's in reference to kind of like once people ha understand how big the universe is and how small we are, how silly the bitter rivalries people have between one nation and another. Or I completely agree. How, how useless esoteric knowledge of silly things like cults and ancient gods and monsters and all that stuff is. It's going to be silly and we're going to be like, wow, we were in the dark. We're still in the dark. We're still, I mean, we're, we're still, still very, learning. Yeah. There's, oh, let me, one more quote to end it here. Because it's going to go out in a minute. The bonfire of intelligence illuminates the landscape of ignorance. Think of that. The bonfire of intelligence illuminates the landscape of ignorance. So basically... Let me just sit with that for a minute. Just chew on that. The more you know, the more That's you realize beautiful. you don't know. That's so beautiful. I'll have to Google who said that. I just remember the quote. I don't remember the author. <laughs> but I think of that a lot. Of People who don't take the time to educate themselves don't even know how much they don't know is basically the thought process. of. It's so true. It's not just facts and figures and how things happened and when they happened. It's, it's a mindset. Yeah. If you want your world to be small, it will be small. And you oh have to gosh. want to – you have to yes. want to know more. But You even have then, to want it. And even when you know more – the benefit is you know how much you don't know and it humbles you. It doesn't, if you do it right, it doesn't make you into some brainiac jerk that thinks they know everything. It's, a, it's, it I know, humbles to, you. It I, humbles I know you. I don't know because I know how much there is to not know now. And you're never going to find out everything. So don't think you are ever. Yeah. You know who you are. You're really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's just, I hate when it cuts off. I'll just let it cut off. Thank you.